when everything went well, 2000-2008, I was like a MNC entrepreneur, you know, <laughs> where in a, by, I mean, what I say by MNC entrepreneur without, uh, sure. you know, being bad about it, I used to head a MNC in India. It's a cost plus model, yeah. you have growth, you know, all the resources are available to you and things look good, by the way, you deliver a lot and everything works very well, which is great. But to be an Indian entrepreneur, you know, it's tougher because cash flows, money availability, tough customers who don't want to pay, you know, all kinds of things happen. So to kind of come out of that crisis, you know, was a challenge. And I think we learned a lot, but the good part of it is the team stayed together again, you know. So welcome to Outliers. Uh, this is a podcast with Outliers. Thank you. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, uh, if uh, if you're listening this and you have been uh, uh, looking at what's happening with Indian startup and technology ecosystem, uh, a lot of you would be wondering about uh, this new IPO called Tejas Networks. And I'm so excited and happy to have uh, Sanjay Nayak, uh, you know, of Tejas Networks join us today. Uh, welcome, Sanjay. Well, glad, glad to be here and in particular because um, we do represent a new kind of companies which is going IPO in India, so I'm happy to talk to your listeners. Thank you, Sanjay. Uh, you know, I have tracked uh, Teja's journey uh, for well over a decade and uh, I, while, you know, it's difficult to put yourself in, uh, you know, your shoes, <laughs> uh, it, it clearly looks like a long uh, slow burn uh, for Tejas uh, and I always looked upon your journey as a journey which is like a roller coaster at times. Uh, we have had uh, discussions about uh, near-death experiences in Tejas journey and now we are talking uh, an IPO. So to start with Sanjay, uh, if you could talk a little about yourself and where you come from and how did this all start that would be a good setting, scene setting. Okay. Sure, sure. No, I'm um, happy to talk about it. So first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm from a typical middle class background, if you were to really start. My father was an engineer in the government in Madhya Pradesh. I grew up there and did the usual thing, studied at Bill Institute of Technology, Mesra. I was a gold medalist there, actually. And then I went and uh, studied at North Carolina State University at Raleigh, did my master's over there. And then this is way back in late 90s, and then um, actually, or late 80s, actually. And then I joined a, a small company uh, in Boston called uh, Gateway Design Automation. This was a company which was uh, founded by Prabhu Goel, you know, uh, who was probably one of the first, uh, you know, significant entrepreneurial successes on the East Coast of the United States. Uh, because Gateway in 1989 uh, was sold to Cadence for close to $90 million, you know. Wow. So I joined that company when it was a 20, 30 people company. So I actually had an opportunity to, you know, start up early as a startup uh, career. <laughs> Uh, and it was a very pioneering company in terms of technology. And then what I did was I moved to India, actually well before it was fashionable to move to India. <laughs> so I moved to India in uh, late, nine, late 80s, 89 or so, 88, 88, 89. And uh, this was at Cadence. So the Cadence Delhi, I was probably the first one or two employees who moved from Gate. That, that time it used to be called Gateway India. And then it became Cadence after the uh, acquisition. So I really was involved in actually seeing how technology industry in seriously deep tech, uh, you know, started way back uh, late 80s. And then I was with Cadence till uh, 95, went back to US then. 
and then I came back to Bangalore and uh, started Synopsis India in '97, and I was managing director of Synopsis from '97 yes. to 2000. So, really, what I had learned during all my careers with different larger multinational companies was two things. Number one, I think I got the confidence that as an Indian entrepreneur, Indian ecosystem, uh, we could do world-class stuff. And this is well before it became, you know, very popular in the '90s and 2000s, right? And second thing, I also got a very unique experience that from India, because I was involved from Cadence from day one, Synopsis from day one in India, we could hire outstanding talent and build world-class products from India for the world, you know, mm -hmm. because in these companies, they're all product companies, yeah. cutting edge of technology because these do semiconductor, uh, you know, software, semiconductor design software. So those two lessons really what motivated me that in around 2000, uh, I came in contact through a common uh, connection and again we talk about networking and uh, uh, you know how connects, connections work and in my case someone who had worked with me in, uh, in one of my earlier companies used to work for Guru Raj Desh Deshpande in Sycamore Network. This is 2000, year 2000 and Sycamore had just gone public and it was one of the hottest IPO ever on NASDAQ and Desh Deshpande was really a, a you know more than life size uh, you know figure. So I got in touch with Desh, uh, myself, and then um, we said, well, India has had a lot of successes in services companies, you know. Uh, if you're not aware, uh, Mr. Narayan Murthy is co-brother of uh, Desh Deshpande. So Desh had seen how Infosys got created uh, from ground zero. So the vision we started is saying, you know, India can build great technology, India can build great technology services companies, but why can't India build great product companies for India and for the world, you know. That was kind of what was the original vision which we started way back in year 2000, you know. Now, when we analyze things today, uh, I can see there are three elements which have to come together to make a product company, you know, because we have seen the services company business model and it all works very well. The product company business model uh, or product company ecosystem really requires three things. Number one and most important, I think you need to be close to a large home market mm -hmm. because home market is what gives you the sandbox where you can try ideas, what works, what doesn't work, you know, what features to build in, what features not to build in, who your customers would be. And there's a whole closed loop ecosystem from customers to, 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 to what you do in R&D and products. So I think home market is the important thing. In our case, it was telecommunication. Mm -hmm. And starting from 2000 till today probably has been the largest, you know, transformational, you know, single largest transformation thing in India in terms of how the telecom structure from near zero came to what it is today. Right? Yeah. So that was on. Second thing which you need is people, you know. That is one thing I think contrary to what most people feel that India doesn't have enough talent for product mm -hmm. ecosystem, people don't have all the things. I don't agree with that. There's enough talent in India, there's enough quote-unquote product-minded people. You just need to put them together and we were able to successfully do that. So the people part is not an issue. We have lots of very smart people in India and I would not even worry about it. We can build whatever needs to be built, right, from India as a general. And then the third thing was adequate amount of venture capital funding. And again, if you think from year 2000, the early days venture capital was not there. So we really seen the venture capital industry mature. Uh, we were privileged that uh, we did about six rounds of venture capital funding, close to $100 million is what we raised. And as a result of that, we were able to get access to capital when it was needed. And especially in a product ecosystem, you need a lot of money upfront because yes. you make all the investments upfront, then you build a product, then you have to sell the product, and then you make money and all that stuff. So that whole process requires adequate amount of funding. And typically the business model in India was suboptimal funding in most of the product startups. So really, if you think of, if you don't put enough capital, then you will never make the right product decisions, right? I mean, in terms of things. So I think all those three elements came together in our in our case. 
Now, the fourth thing I must mention is that, um, which was not something that I knew before when I started Tejas, <laughs> is that I didn't know it's going to take as long. <laughs> so, and wish if I knew actually, I, I, I don't know if I would have done things differently. But all I can say is that um, building anything which is lasting and anything which is deep technology and which is what we are, for example, we, we create um, uh, telecommunication equipment, uh, which are software differentiated in the sense really, you know, it's a software-defined hardware, as mm. we call it. Mm. It's a very unique architecture where you have to put tons and tons of years of R&D and technology into creating something which is world-class. Because in a product industry with a globalized world today, uh, there is nothing like an Indian product. You know, there's a product which has to be world-class. So think of a telecom operator in India, uh, Airtel or a, you know Tata or anybody else. <coughs> you, they are not going to buy a Tejas product just because we are from India. Mm. They buy our product because among the category of products that we compete, we are the best in class in the world, right? And so you have to have the best technology, you have to have the quality, and you have to, of course, be price competitive as well, especially in India. Mm -hmm. So I think as a result, what happens is all of those things require a lot of effort, much more than uh, one would imagine. So I think one lesson I learned is that um, product uh, business, or in general, any good deep technology business will take longer than one thinks it is. So it's more, more closer to a marathon than a sprint. You know, we all think startups, you know, work for two years, you know, slog yourself off and suddenly, you know, there's a <laughs> pot of gold at the end of it. I haven't seen such things. <laughs> it's, 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 it's more of a marathon. You've got to uh, sustain basis, have the energy, uh, have the momentum, have a vision, mm -hmm. have the passion to continue to, you know, do all of that. But uh, on the converse, um, given the nature that it's deep technology, given the nature that the, the entry barriers are very, very high, hardly in, in say, telecom equipment, in the last 10 years, hardly any startups are getting funded around yeah. the world. So it's a tough business, but if you can come out of it and then create a sustainable business, uh, the rewards, hopefully, uh, are, are much more richer than uh, otherwise. So I think <laughs> that's uh, that's a big learning I've had. Mm -hmm. And a and lot of things, I would say, have come together as, as we take in this journey. And uh, and personally, I think, um, again, I can tell you, it's, it's, it's a very enriching journey. So I, I, I again, I know it's a very cliched uh, phrase that people use all the time that uh, in my mind, the journey is more exciting than the destination, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, this last 17 years that we have been, and by the way, one other thing, the three of us who started this company, uh, Arnab Roy, Kumar Shivrajan, and myself, and probably many others, mm -hmm. after 17 years, we are still in the company, uh, we still have a great team together. Out, out of the first 200 people in Tejas, probably about 120, 130 are still with the company. That's and these are, this is, yeah, this is very high. A lot of these people, by the way, about 30, 40 people are people who had returned from the U.S. in the early 2000s. So these are the guys who stayed with us, who have seen the ups, the downs. So I think a lot of all that stuff which we talk about, you know, about, uh, you know, DNA, culture. To me, example of that is how the team plays together and stays together in the tough times. You know, when everything's going well, uh, it's very easy to, you know, have a lot of excitement. Uh, going through up and down cycle, uh, you know, and hanging in together. Uh, same thing for investors, by the way, that's another thing. We've had Intel Capital, for example, has been, Desh Deshpande has been investor in Tejas uh, through Cascade Capital since 2000. Intel Capital has been with 2001. Uh, Mayfield has been with us from 2005-06, you, know. yes. uh, you know. So what I feel is even investors, you know, one thinks that venture capital, and needless to say, they do have, you know, cycle time that is aspirational. But I think if you... If you have good communication with your investors, stakeholders, whether employees, you know, investors, whatever, people are very reasonable, and there is no, 
would say impatient capital you know uh, in the sense basic definition capital is patient okay uh, it's if if people understand sometimes things happen sometimes things don't happen the way you want yeah. but as long as the uh, the the intent as well as the direction and the efforts and you know all the strategies well communicated and everybody kind of plays along together i feel that the the, the discord which you know people many times claim that or there's a fight with the vcs there's a tussle vcs have a exit pressure there's that i think that's natural i mean the people want to venture capital but if they want to make money but i think it's overplayed and it's really a function of communication uh, and the intent of the people so can we talk a little bit about uh, the downs uh, in your journey uh, i mean I, you you tell anyone that you started in 2000 right <laughs> that itself you know you you have this picture of uh, dot com burst and then uh, you hit this layman uh, crisis and india itself uh, the sector that you focus the telecom uh, scam and the sector itself has been going through up and down can you pick those 3 4 2 3 3 so called near death experiences in teja's journey and capture uh, key uh, lessons and insights sure sure so if you see from 2000 till 2007 um, we just grew one way you know and we did extremely well so i remember our revenues went from 5 crores year 1 to 10 crores to 28 crores to 45 crores to 128 crores to 234 crores to 386 crores to 650 crores in subsequent years okay wow. we did extremely well and then we were actually uh, planning to list we never filed for ipo anything but around january of 2008 uh, we had the lehman brothers uh, you know uh, crisis right um, so just one thing we had done before going ipo in 2007 8 you know uh, which i think is a important lesson is take money when you don't need money you know <laughs> this is uh, something i can tell you with uh, very seriously insightful experience so in two th- before we were planning to go ipo uh, this was, as i said 2007 8 uh, things were going fine i just described how our revenues are growing profitability and we said okay we are looking good for ipo but then we actually had uh, one of the investment bankers say you know what uh, why don't you do a mezzanine round you know pre ipo round uh, you know and then uh, we said you know no ipo is happening he said no no people are giving money you know he established the valuation blah, blah. i said okay fine let's do it so we raised 25 million dollars from goldman sachs actually at that point in time uh, which was linked to you know potentially ipo soon but then 2008 january february when the lehman brothers happened we said okay this is a you know of course it was a big event but we had that 25 million cash he said no problem we'll wait it out so the markets went into a freeze mode worldwide yeah. for about 18 to 24 months right i mean because everything unraveled one by one yeah. it, it wasn't overnight then uh, so the ipo window was closed okay but we still had the money we were doing okay but then suddenly uh, in 2010 i think 9 10 um, nortel used to be one of our largest customers so all our exports we had a very unique strategy called uh, uh not the uh, we were the oem suppliers to nortel so essentially we used to design manufacture the product and nortel used to put a, you know their uh, yes. uh name on it and sell it into their customers worldwide so all our international sales was through nortel and and that revenue was growing from you know you know literally 100% year on year for many years because it was a very good business for us and suddenly nortel you know uh, filed for chapter 11 yeah. and once you file for chapter 11 it's not that things happen overnight over a 18 month period 24 month period it kind of is like a slow death for that so so our international revenues started to collapse you know which was a one single customer <clears throat> then suddenly in 2010 11 we had the famous 2g scam in india yeah. 
so all the buying in india literally froze because the sectors uh, you know lot of people's uh, you know uh, licenses were cancelled no certainty was there so the indian operators stopped buying yes. so operators were not buying international went over uh, no ipo windows and that time when you want to raise money you never needed and at that time we were okay we, we still had cash we were conservative in general but then around 11 12 uh, things didn't look good so our revenues from 600 crore came down to 400 crores came down to 200 crores so this was 11 12 one third one third and we were in a mess because you know we had to rebuild the international <laughs> business and then also in a technology product company you also have to refresh your product every 3 4 5 years so the voice driven product cycle was now going to go to data right i mean we had to anticipate that because you also have to invest 3 4 years ahead so then we said well we got to regroup so we had like and by the way just so that you know uh, the lessons so in 2012 while uh, we thought okay we had the worst of everything else it wasn't actually so we used to have a manufacturing uh, factory in pondicherry so mm-hmm. there was cyclone thane uh, which hit the coast of uh, tamil nadu and so our entire factory was under water for 15 days so we had a hit there then in bangalore we moved to a, a new building in hosur uh, road uh, and and that building had a fire in 2012 so we had that so like it was like a hollywood bollywood story every element was conspiring against you okay so here we were in 2012 13 revenues you know were down to 200 crores we had all kind of mess all over the place and then we regrouped and said well uh, what do we do now but the only saving grace was we still had the cash from which we had raised uh, when when things were going very well so we regrouped so the year we had 200 crores of revenues we still invested 60 crores in r&d okay it's quite bold it's quite bold so we said let's invest in r&d because this is what will bring us out so we reinvented our entire product portfolio to what is now the data growth you know so for carrying all kind of high capacity data we reinvented the product we did all of that and then we restart the business we said we should avoid geographical concentration we should have our customer concentration in terms of you know few customer dependency because we had seen that lessons we need to understand cash flows you know because finally if the cash doesn't come you know we we went into a situation where we are nearly out of cash i mean you know we we were wondering how do we pay you know this month salary kind of thing you know so we needed to understand the collection the receivables the working capital all of that stuff so my real entrepreneurial lessons in finance which is what really makes you an entrepreneur finally was learned during 12 13 14 and we literally had to navigate the company out of all those choppy waters and then we turned things around so 200 crore became 300 became 400 became 600 became 850 last year so we returned the thing but today the company is far stronger than what it was in 2008 because we have geographical diversification in terms of a customer our product is is absolutely right up there in terms of the best in class in the world <coughs> competitive landscape around the world is shrunk lot of the companies have vanished from the scene india has become the world's largest market transforming from a voice economy to a data economy in terms of the telecom infrastructure everybody is now only talking of data which is what we come into the picture <coughs> company in terms of cash flows we we had you know 180 crores of ebitda last year 95% of ebitda converted to cash we started to generate serious cash so in a tough business where nobody in the world is making money because we had seen through this crisis it helped us become a engine of you know ex- execution excellence where we literally counted every penny that came into the system every penny that went out of the system why do we make r&d calls on certain things how do we spend money on sales do we, do we go ahead of the game do you you know do it just in time all of those trade offs we continually made to the point that 
today we feel very confident that we have a solid business you know which is growing diversified you know and is is financially disciplined and that is the lesson which i can tell you um, a downturn really teaches you because when everything went well 2000 2008 i was like a mnc entrepreneur you know <laughs> where in a, <laughs> I, i mean when i say by mnc entrepreneur without uh, <laughs> sure. you know being bad about it i used to head a mnc in india it's a cost plus model yeah. you have growth you know all the resources are available to you and things look good by the way you deliver a lot and everything works very well which is great but to be an indian entrepreneur you know it's tougher because <laughs> cash flows money availability tough customers who don't want to pay you know all kind of things happen so to come out of that crisis you know was a challenge and i think we learned a lot but the good part of it is the team stayed together again you know nobody panicked investors didn't panic customers didn't panic team didn't panic bankers didn't panic because we had a large working capital and again it's communication to everybody so i think just if you do a good job of telling what the truth is you know telling what efforts you're making people see through all that and once you do that they really start valuing you a lot more because today many of our partners in this whole ecosystem and journey in the last 3 4 years they all come and say sanjeev you used to tell all this stuff it's so nice to see everything has come together and true which is great you know because it takes a lot to have that conviction the other battle or struggle uh, that i always associated with tejas was this uh, battle of a homegrown company uh, in the middle of telecom boom and you had a huawei ericsons of the world on one hand uh, and of course domestic uh, telecom companies who were receiving billions of uh, credit lines from them and buying and i always wondered if india could do better Uh, without being protectionist uh, in in helping a homegrown company do better how do you look at that phase of tejas journey and uh, i'm asking that question because uh, not not a classic e-commerce startup but the kind of space that you were you are in those companies need lot of other help to get built uh, and you know that so what do you make of that struggle so first of all you made a very good point i think uh, one thing which we have underestimated india's bargaining power or power in general is our home market you know yeah. so i think it's only in the last few years uh, the government has started to realize that one of the largest asset india has as apart from people and talent is our home market you know yeah. the access to that home market we used to give it away for nothing literally right whereas if you see other economies in the world when china grew when china's telecom infrastructure got built from 2000 to 2016 17 they built huawei which is a 60 billion dollar company or zt which is 10 billion dollar company by you know leveraging the home market advantage ditto in the us uh, in the us for example the chinese companies are banned uh, mm-hmm. to sell uh, huawei zt cannot sell in the us right uh, on security grounds whereas india today is the world's largest free market in telecom equipment there is no trade barrier no nothing right so here we had a situation where which i'm sure is a is a larger theme which you highlighted that india as a tech market is finally starting to happen if you really see financial technologies yeah. and there's a lot of startup ecosystem coming out and so so we also had the same challenge that we can build world class products and in fact in our case since we have a hardware element into our products also uh, there's a economies of scale that as a hardware company if you're buying 100 your cost is x if you're buying 10 million your cost is going to be much lower than x yes but if you never get a large order how will you ever have this chicken and egg problem right so i think that was a challenge which we faced now 
there are two approaches we took is why, what can we do internally within tejas you know and so what we did in our products we converted from a technological this this is really where the technological excellence came out so what we did is we converted a hardware problem to a software problem in the sense that we while we make hardware everything inside that is programmable sure so which is good for india so we converted what was a weak spot for india which is hardware manufacturing and made it into a ipr and a software problem so we can program the chips inside we can program everything of course we have to physically manufacture sure. it then but that's now 10% of the value add 90% of the value add comes from the software. the software and the ipr and so on so that was one what we could do internally then we said we also need to why should we we are all honest taxpayers here so why should we not expect government of india to help genuine companies and give us a positive <coughs> we, we don't want them to give us any unfair advantage we don't want any favors but what we want is a fair playing field so i think there's a lot of work uh, which i personally did along with many industry associations uh, indian semiconductor association isa i was a part of the governing council i was also one of the early guys in nice spirit and yeah. a lot of that stuff cii fiki all of the guys we 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 worked with the government and essentially helped create the national electronics policy 2012 uh, <coughs> and then we created a set of ecosystem enablers for india to create products in the in the technology sector mm -hmm. and one of the systems was for example eligibility conditions in tender some of it is still there but at least no, no more in telecom sector we used to have this thing that if you had to bid in a government tender you had to have three customers in three countries working your equipment for at least 3 years so if i'm a startup if i can't sell to my government in india how will i sell anywhere else right so we got that clause removed you know because these are all <laughs> trade barriers that you know foreign companies uh, had built so that got removed out then there is a thing called a preferential market access policy which is come pma policy which was opposed quite a bit initially by the the global guys but now it's here to stay and now if you see what's happening around the world uh, it doesn't india is still a saint i would say in that sense right but uh, <laughs> but i would say that uh, that has come into picture i think it's perfectly okay uh, for a country to use its own home market to nurture domestic companies not compromise on technology not compromise on quality not compromise on price either it is at the same price l1 price except you are just giving an opportunity for a startup to match the price while meeting the technical and private condition what is india what is there for the government to lose he is not paying 1 rupee extra he is not having compromising on technology and quality all is giving an opportunity to to a domestic company so rather than that money going out to a foreign company if an indian startup or an indian company is getting that business why should we not be doing this so finally a lot of that has happened but it took a long time for us to set up that ecosystem conditioning in delhi you know among the policy makers and did that contribute to this 17 year <laughs> no, no i would say this no no this was for 2 3 4 years so sure. we so by the way, at a high level we created ecosystem so the electronic manufacturing services ecosystem didn't exist so we didn't have emss in india we used to go out to you know singapore and malaysia to manufacture now we have ems ecosystem in india now we have uh, these policies which are you know uh, uh, at least given neutral fair playing ground uh, so i think now venture capital is available so many things have been available i would say it just took longer period of time because you know a lot of things have to go right in our case they went right for some time then things were disturbed uh, out it, it was a credit to our team that we put the reconfiguration back got things back into track but today we have just become better company you know because i really feel that if we could build tejas till what we have done today without any overt government support no free funding no free money no free favors from anybody 
our company is far more intrinsically strong so when we are going outside of india when we are competing today think about this way we talk about the indian software services industry right that industry has been built on rupee spending and dollar earning at a very high level i mean you export primarily and you spend in rupees but if you could build a technology services company in india where rupee spending rupee earning and rupee spending which means if you could make money selling to indian <coughs> customer at rupee cost and you can make a profitable company then when you go and make, sell to dollar you can't go wrong right so i think we've kind of done something similar to that in tejas where we have worked with indian customers and india is the world's most competitive telecom market so if you can win in india it's like the gold medal in the world today because a it's the largest free market b everybody knows that no private operator in india will ever buy any equipment unless you are checking in all the three boxes technology quality and price you know government tenders you still have to be l1 against global competition so i think it has made the company better but the market access is a very important element for the startup ecosystem government of india and it costs nothing to government of india by the way there is no funding no incentive no nothing all you are saying is i have money to spend i'm going to give an opportunity provided you match my quality technology and price i think we should use market access to the fullest level it took a while to get it done i'm very happy to see there's just new initiative from the current government under make in india program and they have this thing called uh, gems which is the government uh, procurement system where uh, all uh, basically preference shall be given yes. to domestic companies so i feel it took a while so so the two choices we had is what we could do internally which we did technically what we had to do externally rather than cribbing and complaining about the system saying government doesn't do this i felt that there are a lot of very smart and very open people in the government across governments by the way across political parties who want to do good for india what was missing i felt was people going to them with no agenda it is not about my company it is not about me it is not about please reduce this tax by 2% because i'm going to get an unfair advantage it was about these are the fundamental disablers in the ecosystem this is how you can take care of them this is a widget this is what it costs you which is nothing <laughs> these are the policy changes you required and this is how you'll implement it when you give that blueprint to people uh, in the government mm. trust me they want to do things and they will do things it just takes a little bit of time sure. so it is not going to happen overnight machines like a government take time to move but they move and i i see lot more trend happening today if you see the, when they just started by the way startup and product startups weren't there mm. now look at how much of focus is there for intellectual <coughs> property product ecosystem you know domestic uh, market advantage you know technology being the game changer for the country i mean mm. starting from our prime minister yeah yeah so i think lot of those positivities we have seen so my only again you know learning there is uh, don't complain do something about it do it with honest intent and and you know it took all the means you know you met lot of people thought leaders in delhi you you know worked with industry associations you wrote thought leadership articles in newspapers you talked to publications who who had like minded who could amplify these issues all of that was done and then people see that if it is done with well intent trust me i mean things will change you know? so, just changing gears and final one or two questions uh, before we wrap up what does uh, this outcome mean to you if i can call it an outcome in that sense uh, because you know when when anyone is building a company today they either look at getting acquired or uh, going an ipo right i mean it's not just for investors but also for founding team and, and entrepreneur right so given your long journey what does this mean to you this moment of going public so first of all by the way uh, 
I treat it more like a milestone, you know, rather than the end. So it's, I think, kind of a, you know, interesting uh, point in the journey that one has reached, you know, and it's very, very satisfying because, uh, personally speaking, by the way, for myself, I can say uh, is that uh, financial gains are important, but that's never been the criteria. In fact, <coughs> I was uh, privileged enough or lucky enough that even prior to Tejas, you know, because of my association with uh, you know, earlier companies, I had done okay financially, right? Sure. So, and, and similarly, if you look at a lot of our investors on day one, Desh Desh Pandey being one, it was not for him to make yet another, you know, uh, money. I think it was more about creating a mission that, hey, we want to create a large product, deep technology product company from India, right? I mean, that was a, a mission. So I think, getting that mission to a logical uh, milestone has been very satisfying because how many companies go public here? How many product startups have happened in India? Probably none. I mean, or maybe we are the, <laughs> among the first for sure, you know. <laughs> and secondly, look at the, I mentioned 120 out of the first 200 employees who have been with us for now 15 years, 17 years plus because we give those 15 year plaques, right? To be able to lead a team where you have so many people who have confidence on your abilities, and they will all make money. So by the way, we give stock options to everybody in Tejas. I'm sure probably 100 plus people in Tejas will make, uh, you know, a lot of money, I would say in terms of relative size. Uh, to have the satisfaction of getting stuff done for so many people, investors will all make money in Tejas. And really kind of uh, delivering, if I were to say, <laughs> uh, a reasonable, uh, you know, uh, result for everybody has been very satisfying. Secondly, I think if I and I'm and I'm having a chance to reflect, we just closed the IP on Friday, sure. so it's just uh, one week and I've had <laughs> after 60 days of non-stop travel and everything else. So I was reflecting a little bit. So what does it really mean to me? So I felt that the financial part is the least exciting part in the sense it's it's important but the least exciting. The the more exciting part is now we actually have a platform where we we can actually potentially be one of the largest companies in the world in this business and you know, really create a, a large global product company in telecommunication sector from India, you know, uh, and I think that opportunity with the cash available because the cash we are raising in the company of 450 crores in the IPO is more than what we have raised for the last 17 years. Wow. So now that we are profitable, you have this amount of cash available to you, our cash efficiency is very good. So I think we see a platform where we can create a pretty large global enterprise. So, so as an entrepreneur, since uh, I really consider myself to be one, is that you come to a nice milestone where a lot of checklist uh, check boxes have been ticked off but here we have another uh, opportunity of taking what we have created as a platform and really scaling it up much bigger how big i mean you know telecom industry is a you know 50 100 billion dollar industry so so the opportunity <coughs> size is very large so we feel that um, what we have done so far and we are still young i mean we are still early 50s. Yeah, 17 so, is young, uh, clearly. So, so, yeah. so I think uh, we, no, even as individuals, I mean, sure. I'm, I'm 52, uh, Arnav's 53, Kumar's 51. So I think we still feel that we have enough juice left to, to take this further. So I would say that's been, um, uh, so the platform we've created is very exciting. And third, I think, um, I hope, you know, uh, it does create a positive uh, ecosystem uh, effect where venture capitalists and PE guys will feel comfortable investing in product startups mm -hmm. because so far lack of exits has been a disabler. Mm -hmm. Government of India can feel that the Make in India policies, the PMA policies are coming <coughs> together. Given an opportunity, Indian companies can come up despite all the odds, you know, giants from China and US and all the handicap that and we can still have survivors who can make it happen. 
So I think, and, and for employees, I think, you know, uh, I'm sure the guys who've seen this journey can potentially at future say, hey, I know what it takes to build a product company and yeah. when they splinter out, if you see every economy, every geography, there are a few companies which kind of become anchor companies from where a lot of talent diffuses or the confidence diffuses, if you see go overall. So I hope that uh, we will in some little way contribute to that ecosystem in India as well. So in that sense, we feel that uh, it was a nice uh, milestone to hit. Uh, given a choice between you know getting acquired versus IPO, I would take IPO any day. You know, <laughs> it is it is it is uh, probably a, a little bit more exciting than uh, than just getting acquired and becoming you know part of someone else. But uh, needless to say, it's been very very satisfying in that sense. You know. Did you did you get offers from <laughs> MNA offers? Yes, yes, yes. Needless to say, once we started to execute in the last eighteen months, we did have those situations. But uh, we just felt that now the opportunity we have created is quite quite exciting, and um, you know, it's a, it's always a people look at your past to kind of uh, you know value you appropriately. And I just felt that this was an outcome that we wanted to be so more desirable. Hold your thoughts, Sanjay. This is an important question I always was meaning to ask anyone uh, who is in your shoes. Is, is the temptation to sell? Now, uh, and, and these days, a lot of companies that are promising and hot mm. startups, uh, they don't cross uh, three years of their existence. For, and, 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 you know, founders and investors have their own theories. Okay, so there's wealth creation and... We are part of a bigger company, but we are still on our journey and things like that. Uh, as an entrepreneur in your mind, uh, how do you deal with that question really? The, the, the temptation to sell and so-called unlock yeah. the value. No, by the way, first of all, let me be very candid. I think both of them are very good outcomes. I think I would not berate one versus sure. the other. I'm just saying that personally, uh, it, we, we felt that um, getting to IPO and creating a larger platform, just what... Because maybe we have spent 17 years, you know, sure. made a lot of sense. But I must also tell you, in the, in the first three years of our company, we got an offer as well. Oh, you did? Uh, yes, we did. And uh, and uh, uh, we discussed three of us along with Desh that, hey, do you want to sell out? And then we thought, okay, if we sell out, what are we going to do again? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so we said, well, this looks good. Maybe, I don't know, uh, in hindsight, but it was right or wrong. But anyway, so I think uh, both of them are very good outcomes. Mm -hmm. What is, to me, the determining point is to, I think it is really, what does the founding team wants to do? I mean, in the sense that guys who are running the company, if they see significant opportunities of independent growth and yeah. wealth creation and all the things, I'm not saying you don't need to create wealth, I don't, I'm not saying you don't need to unlock value, <coughs> all of that, if you see and you feel that the potential of you know, reaching that is much higher by yourself versus getting acquired, I think you stay on your own. If you think that it's going to be tougher going forward and there's a sweet spot of, you know, enough wealth creation, but this thing, it could go either way. It's a, it's a uh, outcome which is also a very good desirable outcome. Plus, I think today the digital economy, it's a, this, the time cycles of companies and all that are also spinning faster. Yeah. Uh, we are kind of in a little bit more deeper technology, more traditional uh, uh, deep tech <coughs> business, uh, where the time cycles are not that hot. So, so it also depends on the kind of the business structure you are in. So I would say both of them are good outcomes. It will probably always boil down to what the founders want to do. Uh, that's really where it is. And then the investor's pressure is one thing sure. which you can deal with. But I'm sure, again, it's a communication issue. I really believe that uh, there are more entrepreneurs thinking like this because if we don't create institutions, mm -hmm. then going back to your point about having uh, long-lasting companies in our economy, in our country, is equally important. It is important. See, look at Huawei, the $60 billion yes, company. In 2000, it. when they started, uh, around the time he started, yeah. they were less than a billion dollar. 
how many industries you can create 1 to 60 billion dollars in 15 years and look at the compounding effect <coughs> on the economy and ecosystem so i would say both are needed uh, and it'll it'll happen naturally i mean some entrepreneurs will go down this path some entrepreneurs will go down that path final uh, question sanjay <coughs> entrepreneurs are also human beings <laughs> so how has this journey been for you personally uh, on the home front because again it's one of the most underrated things again i've mm -hmm. seen with founders in fact when i uh, quit my job one of the things that uh, uh, Printo founder Manish asked mm -hmm. me, is that, have you uh, taken a medical insurance? And I had not. Mm -hmm. He said, I won't meet you until you get. <laughs> so, you know, some of those basic things. So, entrepreneurs are human beings too. Uh, how has that been? So, so, again, I said, luckily for me, the financial stress was never there in the okay. system. And and we did take reasonable salaries in Tejas. We were not in a, So, that's why being well-funded was important. <laughs> but I would say one other thing that... Uh, uh, Personally speaking, and I think I can say for Arnab, who's also my co-founder, so he had a very balanced life. Uh, it's not like only work. Uh, we do a lot of other things like we play tennis every morning in Koramunga Club. Still do. <laughs> Even during the IPO process, day two of IPO, uh, day one I was in Bombay. My issue is open. On last Thursday I was in Bombay. Uh, Wednesday I was in Bombay doing all these TV interviews and everything. Thursday I'm in Bangalore. I mean, people are putting money. What do I have to do? We play tennis in the morning, Friday. You know. So I think... You have to do a balance. Again, it comes back to the journey versus the destination. So we always enjoyed everything. Uh, Family-wise, never a stress that, you know, since you're a startup, everything else in life is messed up. Our kids really enjoyed us. I mean, so I think it's a balance issue. Once you take a balance, you do life. Basic thing, it's a journey rather than the destination. Everything else takes care of it. Because in a journey, you don't want to miss out anything, right? Yeah. So we had, I mean, I personally had a absolutely fantastic time over the last 15 years, in fact. Uh, so no, 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 it's not like just this versus that. There will always be a little bit of time sure. here and there. Pretty balanced overall. But no, so I would, that's the way to do it. Just do everything that you want to while you're doing a startup as well. Not this or that. That's what I would say. That's really good to know. And so inspiring to hear your story, Sanjay. I mean, yeah. I have, I've tracked it, but I never heard <laughs> no, no, this all at one like point. It's good, good fun thing and <laughs> probably a logical time to at least put it all together in one sequence. Thank you. Great, yeah. Thank you. All the best, Sanjay. Thank, Thank you again. Thank you. Nice talking, yeah. Thank you.